Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning again. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to James chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, we would like to give you one. And back there at the table that I will be, we have a few uh, paperback copies of God's Word. And so after the service, please stop by there. We'd love to get one to you so that you can join us in studying of God's Word. Well, um, last week, me, along with a small group from here and a small group of pastors, uh, made the extremely but wonderful long journey uh, to India, where we were able to to serve and and, and to minister. And I want to talk about that briefly before uh, we dive into James chapter 2. But I also want to say as we continue on, I want to thank uh, Shane Parker for stepping in last week and doing a wonderful job of preaching and teaching of God's Word. Um, Our our trip was was an extremely successful trip, a wonderful trip, and and seeing what God is doing and what God may have in store for us in the future. We're able to visit a lot of ministry sites and see a lot of things uh, that at a different point in time we'll we'll have the wonderful opportunity to go through slideshows and and to talk about. But I do have two different pictures of what I want to show you because what we are there largely for uh, was for the pastor's conference, but then also the Bible college graduation. So I, if we go ahead and jump to those couple pictures, that's the first one right there. So I want to kind of show you, you see, uh, we got a couple of the members of our team. There's Mike and Gwen Vaught and Kevin Adams and myself. And then what you have here is there was 13 uh, graduates from the Bible college. So um, what they did is they had them all line up and we got to uh, greet them and congratulate them as we were walking uh, to a banquet that would, that would celebrate them. And so you can see some of the men and women who were there. And then let's go ahead and jump to the to the next one. Yeah, that, that's me in a suit and a tie and the other. And then there's me with a, with a tie on. I wore a tie three times, which is like three times more than I've worn this year. Um, <laughs> but I wore a tie um, uh, and, and a suit. And so there you see uh, just a privilege and honor that I had to be able to stand with the, the faculty and staff of the Bible College and then all of the graduates that are there. Um, and I shared this, these pictures with you to continue to lay into our hearts and our minds as, as we've come out of a few previous weeks uh, that I talked about with, with the, the trials and the temptations that you face. And it hits me every time that I see pictures, that I go to India, that I speak to people at the Bible College, that it's different than it is here. And when I graduated with my Masters of Divinity from seminary, my family was there, we celebrated, we took pictures, we went to Outback, right? We told everybody what I had done, what I had accomplished, what God was doing. The waiters and waitresses were sharing and celebrating with us. There were other graduates who were there with their family. And we all, in spite of not knowing one another, because we did all of our school online, in spite of not knowing one another, we, we celebrated together all of this work that God is doing. But in the pictures that you saw, we gathered in the basement. Families weren't there. Most of their families are not believers. They can't go back to where they came from out of the fear of what will definitely happen to them there because people know who they are. So instead, they will be sent to other villages and other places where they'll proclaim the gospel away from a lot of the people that they know. There was no time of going out of public celebration. And instead, it was us gathering together 
but you couldn't tell because of the sweetness and the joy that was shown on the face of these pastors and missionaries and church planners who had graduated with their degrees. And so it was just a privilege and an honor to be able to be there, to share of God's word, to encourage, and to know that we were going to come home, right, to our families and to our friends and to our church congregation, where we don't experience nearly the same level as persecution that they will face. And so while you may never make the trip to India, I want you to always remember the pastors, the missionaries, the church planners that cover not only India, but so many of the other persecuted countries and places in our world, and that we lift them up and that we pray for them. It was a wonderful, wonderful time celebrating all that God has done, but we need to remember to, to have them on our hearts, right, and to pray for them. So before we jump into James 2, let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for these. God, I thank you so much for, for the time that you gave us to be in India. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of those who were there. Lord, I thank you that when, when they read and they understand, right, Lord, the, the trials that they will face, Lord, they know that it could cost them their life. And they still seek to obey you. Lord, may you encourage them and strengthen them in their faith. In spite of what it might call for. In spite of what it may require. Lord, could you give us that level of faith. To grow us in that point. To where we are recklessly obedient to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got uh, James chapter 2. We don't have much time, so I am going to be brief, but we want to go ahead and jump in and look at that. So look at James 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. James writes and says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, then say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, listen, my beloved. Of brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to do to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme at the honorable name by which you were called? If you are really fulfilled, fulfilled the, the law, uh, the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, well last week, as, as, as Shane shared with us, right, that Christianity is not simply an intellectual pursuit. 
right? So, so we're not just to, to hear and to know, we're not just to read and to know, but we are to hear and to do, we are to know and to do. God's word tells us in James 1, uh, 22, to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And so James even gave us three different illustrations of what that looks like tangibly in the life of the believer, right? So our faith is not to just be, here's what I know, sit around Starbucks with a bunch of believers, debate theology, call it a day and go home and we're done. But what we believe should impact at who we are to our very core, that the truth of God is transforming us and changing us, not just the way that we think, but the way that we live. And it's why as we study through James, it's one of the most practical books of the Bible that we, that we see. So when, when we go through here, and we're going to see this continue to, 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 to penetrate through these 13 verses today, right? As we know what God's word says, right? It's easy to say, I want to love God. God and love others, right? Almost every church in the world should and does embrace that truth. We should know that. We should say that. But the question comes with James when we live that, do we live that out? Is it something that we high five each other with as we're leaving here? And it's all about loving God and loving others. But then when we step out of this place, we become me focused, we become I focused. It becomes about who we are and not who he is. And so James begins this section with the command in verse one. He says, show no partiality as you hold the faith. No, none, it's to be excluded from who we are. And then in verses two through four, he gives an example as to how this command is broken. He, he paints the picture, he says, look, two men come into your assembly, or two men come into your church. One man who comes in is a wealthy, known dignitary, right? So imagine they, they come in with, with their people who are surrounding them. You hear the rumblings on the streets that they're coming to your church today and you get a little excited. Make sure the chairs are a little straighter. Make sure the floor is extra clean. Make sure the coffee is extra good, right? Because they are coming to be with us today. And then when they get here, we say, well, here's the, the, the best seat. Now, I say the seat at the front, but I know that for a lot of us, that's not the seat that you want, right? But let's just pretend, right? Let's pretend it's the seat in the front. We say, come here and sit at the front, right? The lighting is the best here. The sound is the best here. And not to, not to get on a sensitive subject, right? But the AC is just right, you know? You know? And we all agree that in this one chair is exactly where it will not be too hot or too cold. And we've saved this for you. And so we bring in this wealthy person, a person who's known, a person of power. And we say, this is what we specially give for you. But then there's man number two who comes in. This man is poor. He's dirty. He's a beggar off of the street. In fact, as you got off the interstate, you probably saw him standing there holding up a sign, asking for food, asking for money, covered in filth. And it was, hey, let's look over here at the road construction and not look over here where he is to eliminate the awkward moment. But he comes in, and instead of the best seat for him, he's not received with the same acceptance that the first man is. And instead, you're going to stand in the back. Or if you would like to, feel free to sit at my feet. 
which is weird for us, right? But when James would have written this, this was the place where the lesser would have sat, the servants would have sat. So let's remove you because you don't deserve, right, what the other man is offered. And you don't want him because he isn't worthy of all of these things. So what have you done? What have we done if that's our attitude? What have we done if this hypothetical situation has played out? Have we been strategic? Have we used common sense? We've shown partiality. We've looked at the soul of an individual and said one is more valued than another. And we've determined it. Yes, we've shown one man kindness. We've shown one man hospitality. Is that wrong? No. But the motive in the heart is what's wrong. Because we've determined it. And we've shown the other man the exact opposite. So I would argue in situation one and in situation two, sin reigns in both. Both of them are matters of selfishness in the heart of the first and the person who greets them. Well, I want to be known by you. I want to be appreciated by you. I want to esteem you, but not you. And the self is, the, is what drives that. And so James paints this hypothetical picture in verses two through four, but his command in verse one is very important. You see, the verb that James uses in verse one is not a verb that would be used in a hypothetical situation, but it is based off of the reality of those who he's addressing. What James is saying in verse one is, show no partiality because I know that's what you do. Shane used the phrase several times, and I'm just going to take it and, and keep running with it, right? It's like he's reading our mail, right? It hits right home with them. I could see them as they read this letter, and they're like, oh, yep, 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 yep. This is us, right? And so what begins to happen in this? What James wants them to understand is that partiality contradicts faith. Contradicts. Partiality contradicts who we are saying we believe in and what we are saying we believe. Look back at verse one. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this, which one are you going to cling to? Which one are you going to hold on to? What this is going to be? Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Faith does not create partiality, but flesh does. Flesh within us says, I prefer this social class, I prefer this gender, I prefer this race, I prefer this education, I prefer this color of hair, I prefer this way of speaking. Insert whatever begins to register inside of you when you meet someone who's different than you and you don't want to associate with them. What we see is this classism from the beginning but it reigns true in so many of us in different ways. Think about the level of prejudices that we have in race, in gender, in social status, in where you live. 
and where you send your kids and what cars you drive and, and where you work and the jobs that you have. We can begin to list them time and time again. And when we notice that, we find ourselves that we've fallen into the categories of what James says in this hypothetical situation, the wealthy or the poor. This race, that race. This job, that job. Show no partiality is what James says, because he says partiality opposes God. Partiality opposes God. When we embrace partiality, James says in verse 4, right, we become judges with evil thoughts. Have you ever had somebody tell you, you remind me of someone, right? You remind me of someone, right? Whenever someone says that to me, hey, you remind me of someone. I don't ask who. I ask why. <laughs> why does that person remind you of me? Well, because they're terrible, right? Like, that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear because they're the best looking, kindest, nicest person I've ever been around, and that's why they remind me of you. I've never had that happen to me. So afterwards, if you want to say that, I would embrace that and thank you for it, all right? Right, that, that, that comment comes a little bit for me with, with a nervous, because is it positive or is it negative? The Bible says, James says, that when we judge people, when we show partiality, we are judges with evil thoughts. We are judges with corrupt thoughts. That we're those who are being paid off, we're those who are being influenced and not based on what is right, not based on the law. James says this is who we become. And, and, and the Bible is, is clear, right? We aren't to be the judge. God is the judge. God is the only righteous judge. And we make ourselves judges, right, from our fleshly perspective. It, it, it's, it, it's beautiful what James does as he's writing this in, in, in Scripture because he's reiterating what God said because God said he's chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs in the kingdom. And James sets that as his hypothetical. So in this, when we discriminate them, what we are doing is we oppose the Lord. And it all is going to come back to what James says, that we're called to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. And that's a hard dynamic for us. How do I love myself? Who is my neighbor? Right In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is asked by an expert of the law, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. And we're not going to go back and read it today, but I do want to kind of hit some of the high points as we, as we see. So this man comes, I'm supposed to love God, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Great question. Jesus, I want to make sure I do this. The Bible says he asked the question seeking to justify himself. So then God, who is my neighbor? Identify that. Give me the list. Give me the bullet points. Help me check these off to make sure I'm getting this right. And so Jesus tells a story. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, listen, there was a man who's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, a long distance on a dangerous road. And as he's traveling along, he's robbed, stripped of his clothing, he's beaten, and he's left for dead. The situation in which he finds himself is a situation that he cannot get himself out of and is going to be dependent on the kindness of others. And there are those who begin to pass by on this road. One is a priest the other is a Levite, both religious leaders of the time. 
And both of them, when they see the man broken, beaten, bloodied on the side of the road, instead of running with compassion, right, they walk over to the other side. They walk over. Why? It doesn't say. Is it because they didn't want to get involved? Is it because they thought it's a sketchy individual? Is it because they thought he was where he was? Because he deserved it? Is, was it for religious reasons? They thought he was dead and they didn't want to touch the body of someone that was dead or someone that was unclean. But whatever it was, they journeyed to the other side. But the Samaritan man saw him and the Bible says that he had compassion. He got to the man. Jesus said he took care of his wounds. He brought him to an inn and stayed there and cared for him. And then before he left, he financially provided for the man's care. And so Jesus says, who do you think the neighbor is? And the man responds to the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. You see, in this dynamic of what James is trying to get the church to understand is that you're either going to be a person of partiality, of choosing, or you're going to be a person of mercy and kindness and compassion and love. And what we want to understand is that that is what God has called us to. Mercy, not partiality. And the understanding of what it means to be doers of the word is that you and I embrace the calling of what it means to show that level of kindness and compassion. So when the man says the neighbor is the one who, who showed him mercy, Jesus says, then you go and do likewise. You see, it's not about let me figure out who is my neighbor but it's about letting me figure out that my neighbor is anyone whom I can share God's love, anyone who I can share God's mercy. So we're not called only to love those who were similar to us, love those who we're comfortable with, love those who we have positive experiences with, love those who we are like-minded with, love those who are from the same neighborhood, the same social status, the same level of elevation that we wanna be considered with, right? But we're to show love with, with all of who God places in our path. And so every moment in every individual that comes before us is an opportunity that God has given us and if in that moment, your heart is one of partiality, then in that moment, your heart is one of sin. And God says, let it be of mercy. Let it be of mercy. In Matthew 5, 43 through 47, I apologize, this isn't on the screen this morning. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Let me pause here for just a second. So what Jesus says is, our heavenly Father, in the common grace of this world, shows his love and his mercy on them, right? The sun rises for those who love him and for those who don't, right? God blesses both, but look at verse 46. For if you love those who love you, 
what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, or or some translations say the pagans, do the same? So when we embrace partiality, when we love those who we determine are worthy of our love, when we extend mercy to those that we've determined are the ones who deserve mercy, when we give grace to the ones that we've determined give grace, Jesus says, tax collectors do that. Gentiles, pagans do that. But what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? I heard someone say this past week at the pastor's conference that we were at, the issues and the sins that we struggle with that we can't seem to overcome. Oftentimes we chalk them up in a category of, well, I'm just going to be this way. And this is, the, this is where I am in my life. And they said this, they said, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. And they said, when we find those pieces within us, what we need to do is aggressively attack it in prayer. That God will change us and transform us. We would all say yes and amen with our knowledge and our words that the power of God can transform us. But do we believe that? And do we attack those things in our life? Here's what I want to say. There may be individuals in this world that is within you is a sense of distrust and distaste. That may have been something that you've been taught from a child. It may be as a child. It may be something that comes from an experience, a traumatic experience that you've had in your life. It may be something that's a result of the culture that you live in. And what I would plead with you is the heart of God for you to understand that that feeling of partiality within you is sin. And we attack it. We attack it through surrendering it to the Lord. And that we don't give up. And that we persevere. And that we lay it down. And we say, Jesus, I need you to do a work inside of me. As we go through and continue to go through James, it's wonderful of what we know. It's wonderful. But are we doing it? Are we being doers of the word and not just hearers only and thus deceiving ourselves? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we could be here to be in your word. Lord, I pray for the hearts of all of us who are here, the struggles that we face. Lord, I pray for, that your spirit would reveal to us the partiality that we have. The things that cause us, when we look at one individual versus another, to think to ourselves, this person is more deserving than that person. 
but to see people, Lord, the way that you do. So that we can see past race. We can see beyond gender. We can see beyond social status. We can see beyond education. We can see beyond careers. We can see beyond the things that the world stacks up and says, prefer one over the other. Show partiality to one and not the other. And Lord, we could be like the Good Samaritan who just wants to show the kindness and mercy and the grace of God. Lord, I know for so many of us, these thoughts of others hit us and we don't like them and we wrestle with why they're there. And we've almost begin to carry it, Lord, as this burden of sin that's just there for us to deal with on our own. But Lord, you give us the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Lord, you say that we not will be victorious, but that we are victorious. And so Lord, may we plead with you. May we wrestle with you, Lord. May we proclaim to you, Lord, beg you to take this from us, to be able to see men and women and children that they are made in the image and the likeness of you, made in the Imago Dei, and that that's who they are. So free us from the mind of partiality. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.